Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome along to this La Liga Loading podcast about Ramon Rodriguez Verdejo, better known to you and me as Monchi. I'm your host, Neil McTeer, and we'll have contributions from experts across Spain and beyond as we tell you the Monchi story in detail of how he went from being a backup goalkeeper to making a name for himself as the world's most famous sporting director. Of course, Monchi is Mr. Sevilla, but he wasn't actually born there, you know. He was raised in San Fernando, in the province of Cadiz, but once he was invited in to the Sevilla family, he never looked back. Here's Roman de Arquer to tell us more about Monchi's playing days. Manolo Alfaro, el goleador del Hércules, directamente a puerta. Parada extraordinaria de Monchi. Porque el balón buscaba la escuadra, ha tocado lo suficiente como para mandar el balón a córner. Monchi is what we like to call a one-club man. Red and white has been running through his veins ever since he was a kid. Although he started his football career playing as a goalkeeper in his hometown San Fernando for a club called El Águila. He then moved on to the main team in the town, Club Deportivo San Fernando, until he was spotted by Sevilla FC scouts. Those scouts were Pablo Blanco and club legend Juan Arza, who would often keep track of his games. But they were almost too slow, as Monchi was invited for a tryout with Real Madrid. Although he wasn't too happy about having to travel to the capital city, while his actual team, San Fernando, was fighting for promotion to Segunda B. Finally, on the third day of the tryout, he decided to return back to help his team out when they needed him the most for a crucial game to get promoted. After a good performance and aware of Madrid's interest, Blanco and Arza quickly came in to offer him a contract with their B team. There he played two seasons, from 1988 to 1990, and he was very close to achieving promotion to Segunda. 
Unfortunately, they only managed to secure the third spot in both seasons, which wasn't enough. His debut for the first team came in 1991 versus Real Sociedad in Atocha. The starting goalkeeper, Juan Carlos Unzué, had to sit out due to problems with his meniscus. But Monchi almost saw his debut tarnished in the first minute of the game. Striker Dalian Atkinson kicked Monchi hard enough to dislocate one of his fingers. The team doctor urged him to sub off, but Monchi was not going to let that happen. He told him to put his finger back in place and let him continue with the game. And that's what happened. The final score was 1-0. John Aldridge, ex-Liverpool player, was the first to get the ball past Monchi in Primera. Unzue was back for the next game, but didn't last too long as his injury got worse and had to be operated. This allowed the Andalusian goalkeeper another shot as a starter versus Tenerife in March. Another draw took place, this time it was 2-0 and he conceded a goal to Gerardo Tata Martino, former Barcelona manager. That was the only goal Martino ever scored in Spain. He then played five more games that season, which gave him time to score a shameful own goal versus Sporting de Gijón when trying to punch the ball away and to get sent off versus Barca after fouling Chiqui Berigistain right outside the penalty area. That would end his hope for success at Sevilla, at least for a while, as in the next two seasons he played zero minutes in Primera, just some games in the Copa del Rey. At least he shared the dressing room with Maradona for a season. He never really had a chance as a starter in La Liga, except for 18 games in the 95-96 season and then for his grand opportunity in the 96-97 season, when Jose Antonio Camacho was the coach. He played a total of 26 matches, but wasn't consistent enough to keep his spot and was then benched again in favour of Unzué. One of the games that put him back in that spot was a 3-2 defeat versus Real Sociedad again. That's when he began to lose the manager's confidence. That same year, Sevilla was relegated to Segunda, another black day in Monchi's complicated career as a footballer. His last two seasons at Sevilla were in Segunda División. In both, he started off as a bench player, but ended the season as a starter, playing a total of 30 games. The good news was that in the second year, the team went back up to Primera and Monchi was seen as one of the heroes in their promotion. He was tempted to continue, despite promising himself that he would end his career if he made it back to Primera. He even joined preseason, but then it came back to him. The pain he'd been suffering in his shoulder these past few years was just too much. At the age of 30, he decided to call it quits. Monchi called time in his playing career in 1999 at 30 years of age, but not in his life in football. In fact, his footballing story was only just beginning. Shortly after the prologue that was his playing career, he moved into the offices at the club. He'd studied law first in Jerez and then at the Universidad de Sevilla. While he never practised as a lawyer, he put his education to good use in a number of different roles, from liaising with fan groups, to working in the press department, to booking hotels for the team. In the year 2000, with Sevilla back in the second tier once again, he was appointed as sporting director. Bring through some youth and improve our scouting, he was told. Once he obliged. His scouting network is impressive. He has a number of trusted talent spotters who focus on different leagues and they work together to collect data on some 700 or so players. Then, through an understanding of the coach's needs and a sense of how well a player might fit into the Sevilla culture, specific targets are identified, analysed some more, and, all going well, they're brought in. Letting players leave at the right time and for the right money is another important aspect of a sporting director's job, and Munchie is the best in the business. He's the expert at bringing in a player, bumping up the price, and selling them on. If he didn't work in football, I'm sure he'd run a brilliant and profitable antique store. Over the years, 
he has bought and sold some of the top players on the continent. It's almost impossible to cover all the talented footballers who have passed through the Stadio Sanchez Pizjuan under Monchi's watch, but here's a few of them. The players who have worked with Monchi really only have good things to say. And what about those who have worked with him in the offices? What do they think? Well, we called up Victor Orta, the current director of football at Leeds United and someone who spent seven years working for Monchi at Sevilla between 2006 and 2013. So Victor, what is it actually like to work with Monchi? I remember when I was director of football in Real Valladolid with Luis Perez Caminero and I was there really happy and in a moment when I received the call of Monchi and Caminero told me, with 26 years old you need to uh, learn Go to work with the number one and learn all that you need. I arrived to work with him in a perfect moment for the club. To be honest, with a chairman and board that believe a lot in our work, believe in the scouting, believe in our ideas, believe in our modern ideas, and we designed together a methodology of scouting that have a lot of results, but obviously always be leader and making that it happens. Why do you think he's had so much success? He's known around the world as one of the best, if not the best, sporting directors. What is the Monchi methodology? For me, it's he. He knows really well Sevilla Football Club. Who is a good player for Sevilla Football Club? Now, we discuss a lot of times, this is a good player, this is a good player, and Monchi told me, it's true, he's a really good player, but not for us. For me, this is the key. He makes the difference knowing who is the best for Sevilla Football Club. Because obviously he was a player, he was uh, there even like a team manager, he knows the player, he knows really well what is the perfect player for his club. And what is Monty like as a person? He's a normal person, really near, always uh, professional, really open mind, uh, with work. In, in a lot of situations, near of the player, near of the coaches. He always creates a lot of synergy with his coaches to put in his shoes, to work together. And even he uh, always creates a lot of synergy with the player because the player not is only sign and forget. You need to to care during a process, no? And uh, he's a person that always told the truth in a moment can be tough but good for us and this is the reason that create a own synergy working with players and coaches that for me again is sensitive too because uh, always you need the support of coach that believes in the scouting department that believes in a director of football to, to make our job. Well thanks to Victor for his insight there and to Roman for taking us through Monchi's playing days. We've got lots more to discuss from the life and times of Monchi, and we do so after this.
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. On April 8th, 2017, Monchi said goodbye to Sevilla. After 17 years in the job, he was seeking a new challenge. It's a personal thing as I needed a change, he said. That April afternoon, Sevilla played and defeated Deportivo La Coruña 4-2 at home and Monchi was serenaded by the fans. If you've been to the Stadio Sanchez Piece 1, you'll know there's a shopping complex right across from the main entrance to the ground. The entrance with that famous giant shield. Monchi stood on the top floor of that shopping complex, leaning on the wall and staring up at the stadium with tears in his eyes as the fans below sang his praises. They had a lot to thank Monchi for. After winning promotion back to the top division in his first season in charge, Sevilla had finished in the top half of the Liga every season since. In addition, they added nine trophies to the club cabinets during Monchi's reign. That's basically one every second season. To put that into context, Sevilla had won just four major trophies in their entire history before he took charge of the sporting department. But he was off to Italy, to AS Roma. So let's speak now to Conor Clancy of ForzaItalianFootball.com about the Spaniards' time in Sevilla. So, Connor, can you tell us what happened with Monchi in Rome? He arrived just before the 2017 summer window. How did that first transfer market go ahead of, of course, a season in which they reached the Champions League semi-finals? Yeah, well, the first transfer window, it seemed to be everything was still a little bit exciting. A lot of signings were made, although they weren't always the biggest names who were coming in. And a couple of players did leave as well. So the likes of Patrick Schick was one of the notable signings at the time. It's funny to say that now. He had really impressed at Sampdoria. He basically had signed for Juventus. He'd posed with the shirt and everything, but then he failed his medical, so he ended up 
not going to Juventus and ending up at Roma somehow. But they brought in Kolarov, the Frel, Under, Fazio, Gonalons, and it looked like it was going to be quite an exciting season. But then on the outgoings list, you had players like Antonio Rudiger, uh, Leandro Paredes, Mohamed Salah. So you saw that Monchi was kind of getting his sales in to to take the money in to sign these players. And a lot of people were getting frustrated despite the excitement of the big names because or despite the excitement of the quantity of names because there weren't any real already made superstars there all of those players that came in were very much still works in progress with the exception of Alexander Kolarov who had his own problems given that he was an ex of Lazio and Kolarov actually scored the match winner on his debut in Bergamo against Atalanta and the Roma fans were giving him stick for it Um, so it, it was a strange summer although there was a little bit of promise what about the excitement of the star name of Monchi himself? I mean, at the time when he left, he was almost the hottest thing in the transfer market himself. His reputation was sky high. When he joined the club, what was the reputation he had in Italy? What did they think of him there? Everyone was excited because Roma just seemed like a good fit for him. It's a similar size, similar stat- status to Sevilla. They're not going to be challenging for the Scudetto and they could probably do something in Europe, right? Monchi had built himself as that. He's the guy who built this Sevilla team that was all conquering in the Europa League. So when he came to Rome, everyone thought, oh, okay, Roma might actually do something. Now, Juventus aren't that great. Maybe Roma can't even challenge in Serie A, but it just didn't come to be. And it's hard to really work out why. There seem to be a lot of different factors that I'm sure we'll get into that contributed to it, just not quite working out as it perhaps should have. The sales of Mohamed Salah and Alisson obviously really stand out, don't they? I mean, two years after Salah went and one year after Alisson did, they were holding the Champions League trophy with Liverpool. Do or did Roma fans hold that against them? I think it contributed, but it's, it's hard to know if there was any real one thing or any two big factors that were held against them. It just seemed to be that the two never really saw eye to eye. The the results didn't come immediately. Obviously, they brought in Eusebio Di Francesco as a coach as well, who himself was going to need a lot of time to settle at Roma. It was his first big job having been with Sassuolo, right? So it's a big step up. And there was all this talk about how Monchi was going to talk to Di Francesco and address the needs that Di Francesco needs in the transfer window, but that just didn't seem to align with the reality because attacking players were signed and Roma, for as long as I've been following Serie A, basically, with the exception of Costas Manolas, have had defensive frailties and that was the area they needed to strengthen, but they just didn't do it. They lost Allison, and they still didn't make those improvements. So it was kind of, there was a lot of frustration, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion about what was happening and without ever having anything explained to them as well and the the whole situation surrounding Francesco Totti obviously didn't help because he had retired in 2017 it, it kind of seemed like he had been given a little bit of a push um, to retire they've had their problems they still have their problems with James Palotta the owner and Monchi was kind of just another person for them to vent their frustrations at I mean, was was that maybe the problem then? Was it a lack of communication from his part? Would it have worked maybe better if he'd tried to explain to them what his long-term strategy was? Possibly, but it's hard to know what works with, with Roma fans. They're not the easiest bunch to please. But yeah, I, I think better communication might have helped things, but then 
it mightn't have because they might have just seen it as excuse making you know but it, it did seem like they the two sides were just kind of destined to fall out for about a year before it actually did or the divorce did happen because you had there were confrontations at airports people shouting at Monchi Monchi threatening to get in fights with them Francesco Totti had to come out and defend Monchi which not many people saw coming but yeah I, I don't know maybe better communication would have helped but it's kind of hard to say isn't it it's given there wasn't the communication and it didn't really work out it is hard to pin the reason why it didn't go to plan and then finally how did it all end how was the divorce it was quite messy when he left wasn't it yeah, it was an unfortunate time because Di Francesco had just gone before him and it seemed a little bit strange. I know we do the podcast and we were kind of wondering as to why this happened because if Monchi's players were correct, you kind of got the feeling, well, then maybe the coach is to blame. So the coach goes, but Monchi stays. But if Monchi's players aren't correct, why is the coach getting let go and then Monchi's going as well? It just didn't seem quite right because... I could see one of the parties being blamed, but both being blamed for for it going wrong didn't quite sit right with a lot of people. And it was a bit messy because it had been coming for some time. And then just the way it kind of, it blew up very, very suddenly without being that much of a surprise, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it was just unfortunate, but probably something that had to happen. It was March 8th, 2019 when Monchi departed Roma. Nine days later, Sevilla celebrated St Paddy's Day by announcing the sporting director's return. In the immediate aftermath of his exit from the Stadio Olimpico, though, there was plenty of speculation over his next move. While Sevilla was an obvious option throughout, there were also rumblings about a potential Premier League adventure. Monchi had been linked with English clubs before. In fact, his relationship with the Premier League as a whole is an interesting one. So here's La Liga Lowdown's Matt Clark to tell us more. England's a good client. This is the phrase given by Monchi in an interview with Sid Lowe for The Guardian in 2016, and Monchi's right. Wealthy owners and bumper TV rights packages have given the Premier League the financial edge for years now, and Monchi has used this to his and Sevilla's advantage. Jesus Navas, Alvaro Negredo and Alberto Moreno were sold for a combined €63 million. Monchi has been able to recycle this model which has brought such success. He did spend six months living in England during the 2013-14 season, but insisted that this was merely to help him improve Sevilla as opposed to lining up a Premier League job. He learnt English and closely observed how the richer teams went about their transfer business. He concluded that English sides were so wealthy that they were able to take more risks and therefore did not maximise the value of their analytical work. By the end of 2015-16 season, Unai Emery had just won the hat-trick of Europa League titles, but was on the verge of leaving and Everton ambitiously wanted to prize the Monchi-Emery duo away from Spain. Farhad Mashiri, majority shareholder, was aiming high and thought this pair could achieve his ambitions. Emery, though, ended up at PSG, with Monchi still in Seville. By 2019, Emery was now at Arsenal and wanted Monchi to replace Sven Mislintat. Monchi had endured a more difficult time in Rome and was considering the offer. However, home was where the heart was and he was persuaded to return to Seville by President Jose Castro Carmona. Monchi is highly regarded here in England, and I think that his reputation is increasing. There was initially some derision at his model, a bit hipster, not how we do things here in England, but there was a growing appreciation that this analytical style of approach does work in the modern game. Even with the issues he faced at Roma, there would still have been a long queue of clubs looking to appoint him had he not returned to Seville. He did indeed return to Sevilla. Monchi was back. A new coach was coming in too, and Sevilla's fax machine faced a strenuous summer. To tell us all about the new look Sevilla, he was Paco Pollock. 
Only nine days after leaving Rome, the big announcement was made official. Monchi was back to Sevilla Football Club. And he was back with the same level of responsibility or even more than he used to have. He would sign players and sell them and have absolute control over the club's financial area to do so. Monchi himself spoiled the reveal hours before the announcement with a quite cryptic tweet. Your heart never forgets the place where it left its best heartbeats, he said. It was March 18th, 2019, when Monchi set foot again inside the Sanchez Tijuana's press room, which was absolutely packed with journalists and club workers who wanted to witness the return of the prodigal son. Social media in Sevilla was buzzing and fans couldn't believe he, the mastermind behind the greatest Sevilla of all time, was finally back to the sports director's seat. President Pepe Castro said that Monchi had never left for good because they had always kept in touch. As for the new old sports director, one of the biggest quotes of the day was pretty straightforward regarding his ambition. The Godfather Part 2 was better than Part 1. March was a very tough month for Sevilla after sacking Pablo Machín and placing Joaquín Caparrós on the bench for the remainder of the season. Monchi began working as fast as possible on the new manager, which would eventually become Julian Lopetegui and announced in the month of June. Once the new coach was in place, the rest would be easy, right? Wrong! Sevilla signed a whopping 14 new players and only 9 remained from the 2018-2019 squad. Goalkeeper Baklic, defenders Sergi Gómez, Escudero, Jesús Navas and Carrizo, midfielders Eber Banega and Franco Almudo Vázquez, and finally the strikers Nolito and Munir. Amongst the players who left, we saw Wissam Ben Yedder, who was sold to Monaco for around 40 million and became Sevilla's all-time highest transfer ever. So, let's do a quick recap and analysis of the new faces. For example, Yasin Bono was a last-minute addition from Girona and he really won't have that big of an impact as Vaklic will start 99% of the games as Sevilla's keeper. Um, I don't really have much to say about defenders Diego Carlos and Jules Conde, although they seem to improve the center of the defense, and I also have doubts about striker Munas Dabur and midfielder Nemanja Gudeli. However... The rest of the additions are worthy of high praise. For example, Sergio Reguilón. He has shown a superb skill in the left-back in the first few games and should be back to Real Madrid next season, probably as a starter. Uh, Joan Jordan is a very strong signing for the midfield, super capable of both defending and attacking. Brazilian Fernando and his incredible physique have helped balance the team in the middle. Um, Lucas Ocampo and Oliver Torres speak for themselves, super known players. And finally, the big guns up front. Luke de Jong, coming from the Netherlands. Portuguese speedster Ronnie Lopez from Monaco. And finally, in the nick of the time, world-class striker Chicharito Hernández. Overall, Julian Lopetegui has an insane amount of talent in his toolbox and shouldn't complain one bit about Monchi's job this summer. We'll soon see how Sevilla get on with Lopetegui in the dugout and Monchi back in the offices. His Sevilla story is continuing, a love story that started more than 30 years ago. We hope you've enjoyed learning all about the Sevilla Sporting Director, and if you have, then please tell your friends and followers on Twitter. I've been your host, Ewan McTeer, and thanks go out to Roman de Arcaire, Victor Orta, Connor Clancy, Matt Clark, and Paco Pollitt for their contributions, and of course, to you the listeners. We'll speak to you again about Spanish football soon.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.